great to see everybody here. Um, hope you're having a good, I already asked that, right? We're having a good weekend so far. Um, <clears throat> but it's always a blessing to get to um, worship with you all. And uh, I'll probably share a little more during our congregational meeting after our service. But uh, uh, our, or my, my wife is due uh, to give birth to our second born in a few weeks. So uh, it could be any, any minute, so just so you know. I might like run out while I'm preaching or something. I probably won't, but um, but yeah, uh, I'm just trying to say that I feel really uh, you know loved and supported by you all uh, during this time. It's a little bit of tough time uh, and challenging time for our family, but um, God is so good through uh, your hearts. So I just wanted to uh, let you know that. So today's uh, sermon will be on. Uh, Mark 4, uh, verses 26 through 34. While you turn there, or uh, as we go to the slides that show the the passage for today, uh, let me just highlight one uh, announcement uh, that's uh, pertaining to this week. Uh, It is the prayer meeting this Wednesday. Uh, If you have been coming to our church for a while, uh, you, you might have noticed that um, recently we made the decision that we will take one week off from our life group weeks, uh, like one, every every month or so, and have all church prayer meeting. And I think to us, there was a statement uh, that said that prayer is that important. Uh, you know, life groups are important, and it is very crucial ministry for, of our church, and we're saying that by taking off, you know, one life group day or week of every month, we're saying apart from prayer, apart from, you know, growing in prayer as a church and as individuals, uh, we cannot go any far. Uh, we really need to pray more. And uh, that's how we uh, can uh, have a future as a church. I really mean that. Uh, so. This week is that week. You know, we are taking our some time off from life groups. And this Wednesday, we'll be meeting uh, in the room over there. And we'll be praying for uh, about a, an hour and a half. Um, just wanting to, uh, you know, pray corporately as well as individually. And there'll be some time for us to share with one another too. So I really encourage that uh, you come and really enjoy, you know, God's presence as well as, you know, one another's fellowship and presence through that. So I just wanted to highlight that. Uh, But again, let's grow together. Let's grow a good foundation uh, in prayer uh, during this time. With that, uh, let's go into our time of uh, the message. Uh, Today's uh, message is called The Parables of the Kingdom. We've been going through uh, this portion of the book of Mark uh, recently and uh, past few weeks have had to do with uh, parables, um, and today will be the last section of parables, and then we'll go into a different section uh, next week, or, or next time I'll, I'll preach. Uh, so let me read uh, this passage for us, and uh, I'll uh, pray, and we'll go right into the time of the sermon. Mark four twenty six through 
34. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter uh, seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts, uh, and the uh, garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples. He explained everything. That is God's word. Let's pray together before we go any further. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this time. Thank you that you are here in this place uh, and your word is uh, living and active. And when we hear your word through this time, uh, that you are speaking to us directly. So Lord, uh, help us to uh, humble our hearts to hear your word and help us to uh, take it to our hearts, uh, not just uh, hear it, and um, to store that uh, in our heads, but help us to um, really cherish what you have to say to us and um, apply it in our lives, God. And use me as your uh, humble vessel. Uh, help me to uh, simply deliver your word and um, that all of us may be blessed by your word alone. I pray in Jesus' name. Excuse me. Um, as usual, I have three points for us for, to help you follow along. Those are, first, the sovereign God. Second, the faithful God. And third, the committed followers. First, the sovereign God. Let's read uh, verse 26 together. It says, and Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So in today's passage, uh, like I said earlier, uh, Mark will share with us uh, two more parables uh, that explain the nature of the kingdom of God. And, and both of those parables will have metaphors, uh, you know, found in the, in agriculture, just to give you a heads up. And now, uh, in, in this paragraph, in this point, uh, we'll see that this parable is about a farmer scattering a seed on the ground. And let's go on in verses 27 and 28 
It says, the farmer sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. Uh, I want to point out here right away that uh, this parable employs a hyperbole uh, to make a point, uh, meaning, you know, the verse just literally uh, makes it sound like a farmer does nothing, right? Like all he does is, you know, sleeping and, um, you know, like after he scatters a seed, he just doesn't do anything. That's kind of the feel that we get. And furthermore, the verse kind of makes it sound like, you know, he has no knowledge of how uh, the agriculture works. Um, but to be sure, you know, the fact of the matter is that uh, farmers in real life, you know, they work hard, right? They work a lot day after day uh, in order to grow a seed. And, and many of them are very knowledgeable, obviously, about how to grow a seed well. You know, such as they, you know, uh, break the ground before they sow the seed. And afterwards, you know, they water it, they, you know, fertilize it. And once it sprouts, you know, they make sure that they uh, protect the seed and the, the plants from, you know, animals or any other harms. You know, farmer's life is hard. You know, we shouldn't forget that. Uh, you know, it's, it's not that they, you know, do nothing. That's not the point of uh, this par parable. Rather, by, you know, using the, the hyperbole, the, par the parable is trying to say or trying to focus our attention on the fact that ultimately it's not the, <clears throat> the farmer's human efforts that produce fruits. Instead, you know, what we see is this. We see that the seed, you know, appears to have this inner energy, you know, that enables it to, you know, interact with the ground, soil, you know, water, and it transforms itself into a plant that bears fruits. And I think, if you think about it, it's very incredible. Uh, because that tiny, tiny seed, you know, doesn't have a microchip in it. As far as I know, I don't know if there's any other conspiracy out there that says there's something in there. I don't know. Also, I know for sure that it, it doesn't have a small, you know, lithium battery in it. Got nothing, right? That, that we know to be like advanced. And yet, under the right condition, it shoots out roots, stems, blades, ears, and grains. I mean, we can take it for granted, you know, usually, but hey, this is pretty incredible. And besides that, besides the inner energy that's, you know, the, the seeds seem to have, there are many other factors that uh, farmers cannot control. Let me, you know, name a few. Now, the temperature has to cooperate, right, for the, the plant to grow. And there has to be just enough sunlight, not too much. And there has to be, you know, just enough you know, precipitation, you know, and, and not too much, again. You know, floods will kill it, obviously. And tornadoes or any other natural disasters will hamper the growth as well. So therefore, any honest farmer must admit that the growth of the seed 
uh, is a miracle in and of itself. You know, the farmer can do his best to nurture the growth in many ways, but ultimately, he's at the mercy of the internal and external factors around the seed. And verse 29, it says, but, the, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So here, when the harvest comes, the farmer is reaping and enjoying the fruit that he did not ultimately produce. He's enjoying the benefit that the nature gave him. Again, going back to our first you know, premise of this parable, parable, this parable is about the kingdom of God. Um, you know, first of all, let, before we go any further, let me define what the kingdom of God is. You know, kingdom of God means it's people, people who treat God as their king. And people <clears throat> enter this kingdom uh, by being forgiven of their you know, self-autonomous kingship, uh, otherwise known as sin. That's what sin is, that we think we're God or kings and queens. And they're forgiven of the sin you know, when they put their faith in Christ who died for their sins. That's how they enter this kingdom. And once they're in it, you know, they grow as kingdom citizens. Uh, or, or in other words, the kingdom grows in them um, you know, as, they, as God becomes their king in more areas of their lives, um, you know, as they grow to obey and love God more. That's what kingdom is. Um, and, and when we say kingdom is growing, that means you know, it is growing one person at a time, one heart at a time. That's what it means in the world. And now, what the parable says about the kingdom is this. It's saying that the growth of the kingdom in the world ultimately does not happen by human efforts, but it's work of God's sovereign grace. That's what it means. That's the point of this parable. Meaning, people like you and I do not naturally desire God, being honest. We do not want to install him as our king over us because we want to be kings and queens naturally. And therefore, it has to be God's supernatural work in our hearts to give us a new heart to desire him. So we, we read in Ezekiel 36 <clears throat> where it says, God is saying, I'll give you a new heart. And a new spirit I'll put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God has to give us a new heart to desire him because apart from that, we are dead in our sins. And, and going from there, we also acknowledge that you know, people naturally do not want to you know, deny ourselves and obey God as their king. We do not want to submit our lives to him because, again, we want to be in control. And we may try to, you know, have rules and regulations to, you know, put our <clears throat> behaviors and desires under control. 
but that cannot change us fundamentally because we're that sinful. Again, it has to be, therefore, God's work, God's supernatural work to grow us and change us. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, Paul says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives a growth. Crystal clear. And when Jesus comes back, <clears throat> he will... <clears throat> Excuse me. When Jesus comes back <laughs> to consummate the kingdom, uh, a.k.a. when we reap the benefit, reap the harvest, and enjoy the fruits of heaven, you know, we will not worship ourselves. We will not give us credit, but we will worship God. Because it was all his work from the beginning to the end. That's what the parable means. Let me illustrate this way. Did you know that I'm the same height as Steph Curry? <laughs> and from that information, if, that, if people don't know me, they will say, hey, Aiden, if you work hard, if you practice hard, you can be just like Steph Curry. I heard that many times. I'm not just Steph Curry, but, you know, people tell me, hey, if you just practice hard, you can make it to the NBA. Okay, let me play along. Okay, it's like, oh, yeah, if I work hard, I can be four-time NBA champion, two-time MVP, one-time finals MVP, and eight-time NBA All-Star. Of course, I can be just like Steph Curry. Yeah, I can do it, right? No. I try hard, you know, <clears throat> when I was a teenager, I try hard to get better at basketball. But every time I did it, all I heard on the basketball court is that I'm such a waste of height. It's just not possible. Spiritually, God's standard is not Steph Curry, but Jesus Christ the perfect human being that ever lived on earth. No matter how much we try, in our thoughts, in our emotions and behaviors, whatever you do, we can never be like Jesus Christ. The only way we can become like him and live the way we should before God is if God himself, through the Holy Spirit, changes us so that we can say with the farmer in the parable we don't know how but God grows me God changes me see if you understand this truth guys your attitude towards God will be that of rest because I know we're all busy people. We're all trying to achieve things that are before us, don't we? As students, as young adults working in this world. 
we're, we're restless. To that, Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whenever we come to Jesus, we just lay our burden down. And especially we put our failures down because we all fail all the time to meet God's standards. And we say, Jesus, we just come undone. And he will say, son and daughter, trust me. Don't trust your efforts. Trust me. I will grow you. I will change you. Slowly but surely, I will make you sprout and bear fruit. Again, if you trust that, freedom, rest, love, instead of labor. The sovereign God who grows us. Second point is the faithful God. Verses 30 to 32 says, and he said, With what can we compare um, the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. So he's telling another parable here to explain the nature of the kingdom of God. And the metaphor this time is a mustard seed. I think I have a picture for it. If you go to the next slide. Oh, wait. Oh, no, no, no. I forgot. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. But the picture is basically a a, a human finger. Not that, not that. (laughs) A human finger with a tiny mustard seed on it. Just to illustrate that it is a very tiny seed to the point that it was used as a Proverbs or like um, metaphor to describe, you know, things that are tiny. Uh, it, it was known as a tiny seed. And therefore, it's impressive that this mustard seed can uh, grow as tall as 12 feet, you know, twice my height. Um, and that's incredible from that small seed. So the point of the parable is very simple and straightforward at this point, right? What Jesus is saying, oh, there you go. You got the point. (laughs) The point of the parable is that the kingdom of God in the present is just like mustard seed. It may seem insignificant and small and not presentable in our human eyes, But the promise is that in the end, the kingdom will look spectacular. That's the point. And here's a context of why Jesus is saying that. You know, at that time, some people must have been challenging Jesus and asking him why his ministry looks so pathetic compared to their expectation. Because at that time, the Jews were expecting the Messiah uh, to come in, you know, great military prowess and, and instantly overthrow Roman, Roman Empire, which was, uh, you know, the ruler of the land at the time. But in contrast, 
Jesus' ministry started with what? 12 uneducated, uh, uneducated fishermen. And it was local at best. And the Jewish authorities were not you know, recognizing him and his ministry, and the Romans didn't even care about his ministry. To that, to that false expectation, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God defies all human molds and categories. Instead of political force, the kingdom will change people's hearts internally, one by one. And it'll promote humility rather than pride. And in the end, the kingdom will achieve what all the other uh, kingdoms combined cannot achieve, which is saving souls of all kinds of people and tribe and giving them true peace and rest. In fact, going back to the passage, the, the image of birds nesting under a large tree uh, comes from this Old Testament image where you know, God is blessing people from all tribes and tongues and languages, and they're resting. They're taking shelter uh, in God's kingdom, including Gentiles, people who are far from God. So therefore, indeed, um, you know, we, we see even now that this, this ministry of Jesus that was small and very local uh, has become a world influence, right? From um, year zero to year 2020. And when Jesus comes back, it'll look even more spectacular. By then, no more sin, no more brokenness. And the kingdom of Jesus will be exalted in all the earth. The end will be spectacular. And again, therefore, the point is, we must not judge what we see of the kingdom of God right now, whatever, however it looks in our standards, uh, in, in hopes that God will accomplish in the end uh, his glory in his kingdom. Uh, do you guys know, you know how to find gold from the nature? Uh, I think some people may misunderstand the process, so they think that you can just go to like mountains and dig, and you know there's like nuggets of gold everywhere, and just like you know you you carry them and you, you sell them. Uh, not so. Usually, you know you look for rocks and sands that uh, gold is mixed in, um, and you know you have to make it into powder like that, and then you know put through like water and all kinds of tedious uh, filtering process. And then you get, you know, this pure gold at the end as powder form. And then, you know, you make it into, um, you know, nuggets and whatever. You know, what that means, just think about it. What that means is, I mean, like if you look at the picture there, it, it, it looks nothing like gold, right? It just looks like dirt. What that means is, you know, people may easily overlook the rocks that contain gold in it. You know, they will think, oh, it's like such an ugly rock or sand or dirt. So they may toss it aside because it doesn't look very significant. But little do they know 
that there is such value and treasure in that dirt-looking um, you know, pile. And then one day, you know, the, the elements of gold can be extracted and combined, and you have a very precious jewel in your hand. And that's just like that um, with uh, the kingdom of God. You know, right now, um, you know, like even to the eyes of Christ followers, the kingdom may look insignificant. It may seem even messy and incomplete. And, you know, some Christians are suffering in many different ways in the world. So the you know, non-believers may be like, you know, why would you join that club, you know? Um, but little do we know that there's gold inside sprinkled all throughout in Christianity. Meaning right now, God is in the process of extracting you know, throughout the entirety of our lives uh, to get the gold out and in the end present you to be gold like Jesus. And we call that sanctification process. And to be sure, that process is known to be very painful uh, because what that process entails is you know, you are called to stop being kings and queens, and you have to submit yourselves to the real king. And that hurts. And God puts us through a lot of humbling things in our lives so we can let go of ourselves and become servants, serving him and serving others, become selfless. And that hurts. That's hard. But through that, God extracts gold. And that's how we become gold in the end. Having that picture in our heads right now, in our minds, I just want you to know that there is reason for joy for Christians, even in the midst of all those sufferings. Some of you, maybe in this room, are going through some tough times. But just think about it, that it is gold, particles of gold, sprinkled. And God is building you to be gold in the end. He's a faithful God. And lastly, the committed followers. Verses 33 and 34, it says, With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, and as they were, they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So Mark is concluding the section of parables by telling us uh, how to activate, uh, you know, God's great work that we just looked at. Here's what I mean. Um, so just, just, just told us these two parables about the kingdom of God. And in response, there must be two groups, right? Uh, first group must be a group of people who uh, may hear these stories and parables, uh, but they don't really care too much. I mean, they at least pay attention maybe, but it only goes to their head. They don't really take it to heart. So it indeed is just parables, just, you know, good words to hear. And, you know, we go back out to the world and do whatever we want to do. But the other group, you know, Mark calls them disciples. That's significant. He calls them disciples in the verse. These people are the people who have a private 
committed relationship with Jesus. So that when they hear parables, it's not just information, but it's something that they, you know, hang their life on. And they seek Jesus further to understand these stories better. And once they understand what Jesus means, you know, they uh, make these promises that we just looked at their own. It's not just information. It's their truth. It's interesting that for one group, the promises of God, you know, God's sovereign work of growing you and, you know, India making you gold. For one group, that's just knowledge, information. But for the other group, life. Let me share with you, uh, just to illustrate that point, um, uh, an a excerpt from C.S. Lewis, um, this famous author. He wrote about friendship, and it's very deep, very deep. So let me read it for us. I think there's a, there we go, there's an excerpt there. Uh, just think with me as you read this. So he wrote this after one of his friends died. He said, <clears throat> In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights <clears throat> than my own to show all his facets. Now that my friend Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to uh, specifically, you know, Charles' joke. You know, far from having more of Ronald, you know, having Ronald to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. What, what Lewis is trying to say is, you know, our identity, our character, is never formed in isolation. It's all... Our identity and character is formed by adding other people's influence to me. Meaning, who I am right now as your pastor is because of you. Our relationship you know, with one another, it shapes me and it will shape you. We're never in isolation. That's what, that's what Louis is saying. His friend just died, meaning... My other friend, friend who's friends with that guy that's, that just died, will never be the same again. Because he just lost a big part of him. <clears throat> Here, Lewis uh, doesn't use the word commitment. But this is what happens when people are committed to one another in friendship or in relationship. And when you're committed, your character depends on the other people. I mean, here, you know, he used the word, like, example of jokes. Um, but maybe use another example of arguing. You know, friends argue, right? But if the friends choose to stay in the friendship and not call it quits, they will grow. They'll become more like one another, and the, their character is formed because of that. That's what commitment does. And now, same thing happens with Christ. Are you following me? 
in their relationship, committed relationship, not just, you know, a, you know, distance relationship where, you know, like I, I follow Jesus when he tells me good things that I want to hear, but when he tells me uncomfortable things, I'm just going to call it quits. Oh, you're not going to grow. Your character is never formed by Christ. But if you are committed, if you're his disciple, your character is now formed by the character of the universe, the creator and redeemer of our souls are going to form us. It's a profound thing. And no wonder we will become gold in the end. Because gold himself is shaping us. So let me end our time with these charges to you all. If you are already a disciple of Christ, if you're committed to him, know that the promises of Christ, the promises of these parables is yours. That you can rest in him. You're tired, I know. But man, Christ will finish the race for you. It's not you. And in the end, you'll be glorious. Oh my goodness, you'll be glorious. God will share his glory with you. And let me encourage you, um, this last verse there, Psalm 119.18. It's one of my favorite verses. The psalmist is praying this prayer. He says to God, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Can we pray that whenever we come to the, the, the word daily or even time of, the, time of the message on Sundays, that God, I want to be amazed by your word today. Can you shape me? I want to love you more after this time. Drill my heart deeper, Lord. Do not let me just stay shallow. I want to follow you all the way. And lastly, um, you know, if, if you are uh, not a disciple in this room, uh, man, I'm so glad you're here, whoever you are. I'm, I'm thankful that you're sitting under the teaching of God's word. Can I encourage you, if you're there in your journey, that you keep seeking and discovering the gold sprinkled all throughout the gospel. You will find it. That's the promise of God in Jeremiah 29. And by the work of God's power that we just looked at in the first parable, I ask you to put your faith in Christ and become his committed follower and his friend. And you will experience his power because it's the power of God. Let's pray together. As we end our time together, uh, we will have some time to process what we just heard. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is working right now, even even at this moment, to help us uh, sink His Word 
uh, deeper into our hearts. And we will sing uh, a song to uh, further process uh, this message. But before we do that, uh, can I encourage us to um, to still your heart and to simply rest in Jesus. I don't know about you, but I think we're living in a very uh, stressful time in human history. There's a lot happening in our lives. And I think truthfully, technology makes us feel like we have to be everywhere. There was a time, you know, maybe a few decades ago, when I didn't have to be everywhere because there was a limitation. But now that we're all connected, oh my goodness, it just feels like we have to be good at everything. And um, it makes us feel like we're worthy only when we can fulfill all those duties and everything. The gospel says, come to me, you who are weary. I will give you rest. You don't have to be on top of everything because I am. Only I will be glorified in the end because I'm the one that will accomplish it for you instead of you accomplishing them for your own glory. We can rest in Him because it is all by His grace. So let's lay all our burdens onto Him right now and give it all to Him because He knows what's best and He will heal our hearts and give us what our hearts truly need. Do we do that? Just in the stillness of our hearts. Um, let's seek Him together and find His rest. Let's pray. In the world, the solution is that we become the center of the world. And that's what you know, self-esteem is all about, isn't it? Like, I have to feel better. Um, and I think from that point of view, it's paradoxical that we're called to uh, deny ourselves and you know, submit ourselves to God as the true king. And the Bible promises that uh, that's how we will get true peace and joy. And I don't know about you, but um, when I sing songs like this and you know, you know, worship songs where um, I'm called to humble myself and lift God up, my, my burden is gone because I realize my life is not about me. If I can fulfill the calling that God has given me, that's all that matters. And that's, that's true for you too. God gave each one of you, uh, you know, various callings uh, depending on uh, you know, different giftings that God has given you. And uh, the world may call you to uh, do this and that and excel in everything uh, God simply says be faithful to what, I, what I've given you and even that uh, I will help you I will accomplish it for you rest in me keep seeking me and my word that's all he requires of us 
He loves us. He treats us as His sons and daughters, not as you know slaves. So again, let's rest in that together. As we lift Him up, um, you know, we will find His joy. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever stress is in your life right now, let's um, bring all that to uh, His feet. Let's do that for us for a little bit, and uh, let me close first in prayer. Oh Lord, uh, we need Your Spirit uh, to help us let go of our, um, you know, obsessions and greed about things of the world. Uh, we need Your help uh, to rest more in You. God, I pray for those of us who. Uh, for whatever reason, have been having a hard time uh, in their, um, you know, thoughts and emotions lately. Lord, I pray that you will meet them where they are and help them um, to see you as the one that is holding out uh, his arms towards them and wanting them to rest in you. That their value is not found in their accomplishments, but their value is in is in you, their identity in you, Lord. Uh, embrace them and help them feel uh, your presence in their lives. But Lord, as a church, we want to lift you high. Uh, may your kingdom truly come uh, as we, as a church, uh, grow to do your will. Lifting only your name in this place um, and unite us in that uh, common effort. But thank you for your grace uh, without which we can not do anything. So we rest in that truth, Lord. Thank you, God. Let's end our time together by talking to our Father who's in heaven. <laughs>